The text for the sermon this morning, congregation, is Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, the verses 7 to 9. We'll begin reading at verse 1 of Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, we begin reading at verse 1. The words of Agur, the son of Jake, his utterance, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukel, Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven, or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And now follows the, the text for the sermon here. Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we approach God to ask him for his blessing on growth and labor, what are we, what are we really asking for? Are we asking for a good harvest in the fall so that just so that we can have good income, good food to eat, so that we can prosper enough so that we can enjoy some rest and relaxation. No congregation, a good standard of living is not the ultimate reason for prayer for growth and labor. The real motive is actually spiritual. The ultimate reason we ask for God's blessing on the crops and on our work and, and our pension is so that we may be able to serve and continue to serve God in faithfulness and uprightness. Serve God as He wants. The real reason is so that we can glorify our God in Christ. And that's what we see in the text for this morning in Agur's prayer for blessing. And I preach to you the Word of God in the text with this theme, Agur's Prayer for Blessing, we pay attention to three things about this prayer. First of all, what he prays for. Secondly, why he prays for that. And, and in the third place, how he prays for that. So first of all, what he prays for. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too. It says at the beginning of Proverbs 30 that we have to do in our text with the utterances of Agur, the son of Jake. Now, we don't know anything about this man, Agur, at all, nor about his father, Jake. We don't even know when or how Agur's words came to be included in the book of Proverbs. 
All we can say is that these words were included in the Bible as words inspired by the Holy Spirit for our instruction. And instructive words they are, especially from when we're about to pray for God's blessing on growth and labor today too. Or in the prayer in our text, Agor requests two things of the Lord. Two things I request of you. Do deprive me not before I die. And this man likes lists, as you can see throughout Proverbs 30, where he speaks about lists of two or three or even four things. Those things in those lists are apparently all related. So we can safely assume that the two things he asks of God in the text have some relationship with each other too. They may seem completely unrelated. If you think about it, remove falsehood and lies far from me, from me on the one hand and give me neither poverty nor riches on the other hand. But they are related. They have to do with each other. In the matter of food and income and so on, man easily comes into contact with falsehood and lies. Especially today with the extensive media that's available to us in our digital age, the idea in our times is that we depend on ourselves or on, on, on the weather, on government and economy, on markets, our own efforts for our, our own provision. That's overwhelmingly what's proclaimed on television and in the press and among people in our society today. Man has control of everything himself. And that's falsehood. The truth is that we depend completely on the Lord for our life and income and everything. We need to work, yes, but the blessing has to come from the Lord and from Him alone. And then there's the idea that your life consists of food and possessions, also a lie. We live in acquisitive and materialistic times. The lives of so many people today center around having stuff and getting more of it. That seems to be the purpose and drive in life, the motive. That's proclaimed by the media too. Get-rich schemes and especially lotteries make it seem as if getting rich and having many possessions is really the point of your life. You always have to be increasing in what you own and what you have. Otherwise, you're not successful. Your life is a failure. But getting rich and having things as the goal of life are lies, lies, and more lies. The fact is that this life is about the relationship with God. That's what life is about. And then the reality is, too, that we all have to, have to leave this life. And when we do, we can't take any money or goods with us. And the reality is also that we all have to answer to God for what we did here, with what we had, with what He gave us, especially then what we did for Him. And see, that's why that first request of Agur, he asked the Lord to keep his heart set on him, on, 
on God right to the day he dies. And that leads to his second request, the main one we want to pay attention to this morning in the text, give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. He asked God, in other words, not to give him too little or too much. All he seeks is enough for himself in the place God has given him in this life. Some translations have here, give me only what is needful for me. That's the point with that food allotted to him. Only what he needs to live for God. Now need, you understand, is not a fixed measure for everyone. Need is determined by the position and calling God has given us in this life. And need is also determined by the abilities God has given us here. So if Agar was married and had children, then that was allotted for him. What was needed for him would include the sufficient means to support his wife and children. And if he were a ruler or a prince, then that need would include also the resources required to fulfill his, his obligations towards his subjects. Give me only what you know I need. That's what Agur prays. Keep me from falling into the greed and falsehood that's out in the world there and only give me what I need to fulfill my God-given task day by day. And so Agor then prays that God will not give him poverty. Poverty here is lack of what you need for today. It is to be dependent on others. And that's hard to bear, even though it's not a shame to suffer poverty as long as it isn't caused by laziness or carelessness. And even though the Lord himself instituted the office of deacons in the church to help those in need, poverty is still a hard thing to deal with, a struggle and a trial and even a temptation. It can push you down so that you feel despondent about it. It can easily also bring you to envy, can bring you to doubt God's care and mercy for you, can even make you bitter if you're poor. You feel abandoned by the Lord who promised to look after you. And that's why Agur prays to God, please don't let me become poor. But then he also prays, almost in the same breath, don't give me riches either. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, who wouldn't want to be rich today? Beautiful house, fancy car or two or three, money in the bank to go where you want, when you want, it all sounds pretty attractive, right? Who wouldn't want to have Abundant riches. It, isn't it everybody's dream? Not for Agor. He doesn't crave wealth. Instead, he prays, Lord, don't let me become rich. Who, who here would pray that with him? Lord, don't, don't make me rich. And I don't mean just not praying to become too wealthy. Agor does more than that. He prays that he may not become rich. Don't let me earn too much, become too rich. How many people would pray something like that today? Riches look so appealing. Must be nice to have all the money, not to worry about making the money last till the end of the week or the month. We all want to get ahead, don't we? 
We don't want to go downhill financially, but uphill. And don't get me wrong, it's not wrong in itself to be wealthy. Abraham, the father of believers, was very rich. He had many flocks and herds. God made Job rich too. At the beginning of the book of Job, it says he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. And at the end of the book of Job, it says that God even made him twice as wealthy as he was in the beginning. So it's not the riches themselves, but the problem is the riches so easily become a snare and so easily bring people to spiritual ruin. Of course, that is also subjective congregation. One person can deal with a million dollars, no problem at all, still hold on to his faith, serve God. Another person can have a few hundred dollars and, and loses it. is not able to manage it. But the Lord Jesus, too, warned seriously about, about riches when he stated that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and the thing is that we're so easily inclined to make riches the love of our life. As Paul writes, 1 Timothy 6, as we read that, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. People who are poor can love money, but people who are wealthy can have a hard time with it too. A hard time. It can be a big burden to have riches. It's a struggle then to keep one's spiritual life from becoming derailed by the money that you have and the love of money. So congregation, Agor knows the burden and the dangers of both poverty and riches. And therefore, when he prays for blessing on his life, his labors, he asks, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only what is allotted to me, my, my daily bread. And then in the text, he says why he, he prays as he does. That's the second point I want to pay attention to here, why he prays as he does. Congregation Agor says, verse 9, why he prays for neither poverty or riches, but only for his daily bread. He says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see, Agur knows his own sinful heart. Through the wisdom given him from above by the Spirit of God, Agur discerns very clearly and sharply the dangers that come with both wealth and with poverty. He sees the dangerous snares of wealth, and he mentions them in the first place. Don't give me riches, he says, lest I have too much and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Yes, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too, riches, too many riches can be a deadly snare to the soul. And as we said before, that's not because those riches are wrong in themselves. You can't blame the riches for the danger. And you can't blame God who gives those riches either. No, the danger lies in our own sinful hearts, which so easily lead us to abuse God's good gifts. The reality is that because of the sinful nature, material wealth all too often leads to spiritual poverty. 
Strange if you think about it. Material wealth to spiritual poverty. All too often, the more we receive from God, the less he receives from us in thanksgiving and thank offerings even. The thing is, riches so easily give you a false sense of security. If we possess an abundance of money or goods, our trust so easily shifts from God to those possessions or that money. Think of the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12 when his fields produced a good crop, a bumper crop. That man built bigger barns to store everything and said to himself, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then he forgot, in other words, where all the blessings came from in the first place. And he put his trust in his wealth instead of in God. And then God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will all those things be which you have provided for yourself? See, what good is wealth in itself? You can't take it with you. Don't put your trust in it. Put your trust in God. Use it to serve Him. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we live in a time when compared with so many others throughout the world, we all have it pretty good financially here. The economy has its ups and downs. There are good and bad years for the crops. Some have more, some have less. Some are still scraping. <laughs> And yet, in, here in Canada, we enjoy things which our forefathers a generation or so could only dream about yet. But you know, with all those good things, there's also a very powerful tendency in our country to take it all for granted, even in our own hearts, that we see all these things as a right instead of as a gift of God, of God's mercy. We, we, we like to enjoy a good meal. We like nice clothes, new clothes on a regular basis to keep up with the fashions. We look forward to a summer or even a winter holiday. We can take pride in our home and in the nice car and the luxuries we can afford. And congregation, there's nothing wrong with any of those things in themselves. Nothing at all. Gifts of God given to enjoy, as, as Paul writes to Timothy, as long as as we always remain aware of the fact that all of those things come to us from God's hand through the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ. Because he was deprived of everything for us, we can enjoy what we have. But that's the rub, isn't it? We also take it easily for granted. Forget our good and gracious Father in heaven who gives us those things to enjoy and our Savior who bought it all for us with his blood. And then it happens all too often that the more we have, the less gratitude we show to God. And that could show in the giving of first fruits to the Lord or in the gifts for the needy and in the disinclination to be rich in good deeds towards others. Those kinds of things are a manifestation of letting go of God. In fact, What's happening then is that you're slowly disowning God. You want to own things here, but in the 
process you disown God. That can happen. And that's exactly the attitude Agur is afraid of and prays will not enter his mind or heart. He wants to avoid ever disowning the God of his life and his salvation and saying, who is the Lord? Who is God? And that's why he prays, Lord, don't make me rich. Just give me what you know is enough for me. But not only can our attitude to riches be dangerous, a snare and a temptation, poverty can be dangerous for the sinful heart too. It, it can make you envious when you're pinching and someone else is not. When you see someone else with a new car and you have to keep going with your old, can make you can make you bitter. Can make you greedy. That's why Agur also prays, don't give me poverty or I may become so poor that I end up stealing and as a result profane the name of my God. See, poverty can easily tempt people to take matters in their own hands too and take things from others because of envy or because they think they have a right to what others have, not being content with what God gives. It can bring you to deceive and steal because you figure you deserve what others have. Why do they have this and I have to struggle on? So poverty can be a big burden too, a snare to Christians in which they take their heart away from God. And if believers steal, that brings dishonor to God's name always. He says that I profane the name of my God by doing that. God redeemed us in his son and promised to give us what we need. But if we steal from others, we deny his promise and his care. We deny him when we steal or pilfer. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, do you see the temptation of both poverty and riches? Do you also acknowledge the weakness of, of our sinful hearts? Well, that will determine how we pray for God's blessing then too, and that brings us to the last point of the sermon, how Agor prays for God's blessing. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the beginning of our text says something already about Agor's attitude when he asks for God's blessing on his crops, on his labor. He says at the beginning of this prayer, two things I request of you, Lord. And then he lists those two things, which means he's thought deeply about his prayer beforehand. He is definite and serious about what he's asking for from God. That's why he groups things together in this chapter. And then he, he believes that only if God grants him those two requests will he really be blessed, will he find success in this life. And that's why he presses that request with the words, deprive me not before I die. He knows that someday his life is going to come to an end. He's sober and realistic about that. But he also believes that after this life, his life will go on. After this life. And for God's children, that life consists of blessedness such as eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. 
a blessedness in which to praise God forever. And see, that's ultimately where he wants to go here. That's what he hopes for, looks forward to. That's what he lives this life for. That hope, that future. And that's the future we may also look forward to today in Jesus Christ. That is the goal of it all. In the meantime, though, we still live here and now in this life with all its struggles and temptations. Here in this life, our hearts are still so inclined to falsehood, to sin. Here in this life, riches can so easily bring us to deny the Lord who redeemed us. And in this life, poverty can so easily bring us to steal and, and profane the name of our God who gave his son for us. And that's why Agur prays that God will only give him his allotted portion. Only the, the, the food and the income he needs for his daily life, not too much, not too little, enough so that he is not misled, but he can serve his God faithfully and so that he can enter into the eternal joy at the end of it all. Because only in godliness with contentment is there great gain, Paul writes in 1 Timothy. Congregation, that should then also be the blessing we seek on our, our labor this season and also on the, the crops. Not too much, or we may forget that it all comes from God's gracious hand. Not too little either, or we might envy and steal and profane the name of our merciful God. But give each of us, in our own circumstances, with our own abilities, just enough so we can serve our God faithfully and then stay on track to the full and glorious and eternal blessings which await us in Jesus Christ. Amen.